Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Praise God. We're having. Isn't that been sweet, precious? We've received impartations every service. Every service. Sometimes it's come through prophecy, sometimes through preaching, sometimes through laying on of hands, different ways, different means, but it's all been rich. It's geared to change our life. It's geared to take us to another level. You know, we should be progressing in God. From glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. If we're not doing that, something's amiss. And it's not on God's side. So we got to learn to get connected where God places us and then learn to receive the impartations that he has from those he places in our life over us because that anointing's flowing from the top down. You know, see, people sometimes they want to uh, get frustrated or argue about, well, you know, I don't know about letting a man have authority in my life. Well, then they're not saved because Jesus is a man. You've read the New Testament. I know Timothy said we have one mediator between God and men, the man, the man, Christ Jesus. I know he was virgin born. I know my doctrines, but <laughs> he's, he's a man. He's our redeemer, but he's a man, and we need to let him be who he is, but he's given gifts to people. And I'm, I'm going a direction today. I want to talk about spiritual fathers and impartations. I believe it will help all of us to come to a new level of understanding. So let's go in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm just going to speak a few minutes about spiritual fathers, I think, and then kind of shift gears in a sense and go into impartations because that's where we get our impartations from spiritual fathers that God has divinely connected us to. You know, if you don't know where you're connected, you need to pray and find out. And you need to stay connected. I'm going to tell a little bit on myself. You know, uh, I got hooked up with Dr. Dufresne back in 90. I'd been in the ministry 20 years at that point and traveled quite a bit, you know, both, you know, the United States and about 40 mission trips, not bragging, just back then, and is pastoring a church, a good church, and doing well. My wife loved me. My kids loved me. I mean, my church is growing, and, but something is missing. See, sometimes it's not just we're just in desperate trouble. We've tore our life up, and we need to get restored. Now, that's valid, too. But sometimes there's just a holy frustration on the inside, I call it, that I knew I needed to get somewhere, but I didn't know where there was. I may know that's not a good feeling. You need to get somewhere, but you don't know where there is. How would, you know, and, and I needed to get to another level, and I didn't know how to get there. And I began to pray. I I mean, I've been saved since 71, saved off the streets, a drug addict by background, got saved. Of course, I'm not, my name's not Michael Jacobs, I'm a drug addict. I'm Michael Jacobs the Redeemed. <laughs> I just want to clarify that. But that's the kind of lifestyle I come out of, just radical. And then I got saved and I got radical for Jesus. And most of my friends said it wouldn't last over a month or two because I was so flighty back then. But here I am 35 years later, more in love with Jesus than I've ever been more in love with what he's doing than I've ever been. And I'm connected. But I, but I began to pray. I was going to tell you, I got saved in 71. I got uh, spirit-filled in 78, and this was 94. So I've been praying in tongues every day and doing what pastors do, studying, reading, ministering to people, all the things that preachers do. Amen. And it wasn't like I was backslidden. But at the same time, there was a holy frustration on me, and I said, God, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And, Father, you've got to show me. And I began to pray extra in, in the Spirit, in tongues, for three months, adding on extra hours when I could every day, seeking God. God, where do I go? What do I do? You know, I had colleagues, you know, friends. Hallelujah. And they, they, we fellowship together, and there's a certain thing from that, but that's different than being under somebody where you're getting your supply. And you have to be connected to have a supply. Well, we've been getting a rich supply this week. Yeah. Pastor Nancy, yesterday morning, I mean, I don't know, you just lined all the bottles up, bam, 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 bam. Just shot them all. In a good way, yeah. I mean, just, I was, 
You know, I felt God dealing with me, stepping up and praying in tongues for the last six months, and I've been doing it. I felt like, man, i I got to take another step here, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we come to these meetings. I don't run around to everybody's meetings. Now, you may think I'm a little radical. Just listen to what we have to say. Maybe you can, you know, we'll just be all right by it's over. Amen? I don't read everybody's books. I don't listen to everybody's tapes or DVDs or whatever. And, and we're talking about spiritual fathers right now. So I'm back in 94 and I'm praying. After three says to me, call, contact Dr. Ed Dufresne, have him come to your church. I knew his name. I'd met him one time in Fort Worth, I think, with ICFM. He was, having a, he was preaching one time and prayed for my ear that was going bad, and God healed it. But that's about it. I thanked him. You know, after the service, went up and said something to him. But that's all the uh, introduction we'd ever had. So I had to figure out where he was even on the planet. I tell this kind of humorously. If God had said, go to India and find Botswani Duda, I'd been on a plane to India trying to find Botswani Duda. Now, if you're an Indian man from, uh, you know, India, and your name's Botswani Duda, don't take offense. <laughs> but God said, contact Dr. Ed Dufresne. So he came to my church, and I don't think we were ready for him. <laughs> I had rutted my people in teaching. I'd so rutted them in teaching that it couldn't hardly handle Dr. I mean, I was thrilled he was there, and he was ministering to me, and he imparted to my life the very first meeting. And we, I didn't really know him except after, I guess you'd say, because I didn't know we hadn't had a lot of interaction and, you know, so forth. But something went in me. Something went in me. And all these different things in me that were laying dormant that I was paying no attention to or very little attention to, things of the Holy Ghost. And, and I wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden, those things began to, I began to be sensitive to things. I began to come up to a new level new level of accuracy in the Spirit. And I began to teach and get back in there and teach people more about the moving of the Spirit. By 95, we were in revival. We had revival 95, 96, 97, part of 98. Just different things going on. But the thing was that we had to get connected. He left the church after our first meeting. God rebuked me. He said, you didn't teach your people how to receive from the prophet, and you're in trouble with me. You need to teach this. Then contact Dr. Dufresne, have him come back as soon as he can. He came back six months later. And we were sitting at uh, Red Lobster. I know he'll probably remember this. And I said, I need to submit myself to you, sir. Me personally. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then my ministry. And I, I'm, I, I want you to know that I want you to speak into my life. Now, see, things I'm talking about now are real familiar with me because I've grown into it, but I didn't know much about spiritual fathers back then. I barely knew, you know, a little bit about covering the Word. You know what I'm saying? Tell me, you know what I'm saying. But, but God began to show me, and so I said to him, I, I feel I'm to submit to you as my spiritual father. I'm not sure I understood all that it meant back then. I'm sure I didn't. And I want you to know that I'll do what you tell me to do. And if you correct me, I won't suck, suck my thumb and run off. And I haven't. I haven't. And I have taken some correction, but it's all been for my betterment. I'd like to ask some, how are we ever going to grow up if we can't ever be corrected? When I say that, I don't mean doctor gets me aside and rebukes me every time he sees me. Let me help you understand that. But there, through the priest, and then there are times he needs to speak to me privately. Or you need to change this up, or your thinking's not right over here. Whatever. My church, my church government was all messed up. So he had to speak into my life and help me to turn that thing around. Amen. Hallelujah. So he came back and, and we're eating and I'm saying to him, I want to submit myself to you if that's permissible. He said, God's already spoken to me. You're to be my son. And he wrote his phone number, his cell phone, on a piece of paper and shoved it across the table. And he said, now you understand that means that if I need you, you'll come help me. I said, yes, sir, I understand covenant. I taught on covenant and lived in it and walked in it. Hallelujah. And I, I began to get committed. We, we made a covenant that day. And I've kept that in a high priority. Hallelujah. I don't know where everybody's at today, but I'm just trying to share my heart. Is that all right? And I've, had, and I've walked in further in it the further we go. I realized after a while I need to help doctor with my prayer life, pray for him, get behind his vision. Whatever anointing I have, 
Help him with that. Whatever finances I have, help him with that. Hallelujah. And get in there and follow. Get in there and follow. And then as we, if we've grown, that, 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 that following has narrowed down even more. And I've been blessed for it. I didn't do it to be blessed, but I've been blessed because of it. Hallelujah. Well, I, I, I imagine you found 1 Corinthians 4 by now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4. Let's read a verse or two here. I, I write not these, verse 14. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons. Look at Paul's heart here. My beloved sons and wicked add daughters. I warn you. So there's a warning here. But he loves the sons and daughters in this church. And by the way, this church is in some big trouble. I don't know if you realize how carnal this church was. I mean, you go one chapter back, they're in arguments, fussing. They don't know who their father is either. I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm this. They don't even know for sure. And then we get to the fifth chapter, we got immorality starting. And Paul addresses it, it's going to be like leaven. If you don't deal with it, it's going to spread through the whole church. By the tenth chapter, they're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. These are not the most spiritually attuned people. This is not the church of Philippi or something, you know what I mean? And definitely not Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, my goodness. Yeah, but he gives them some advice and he shows them something in verse 15. This is the key. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Jesus, I'm sorry, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers? For in the anointed Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, even in that day, there was a tremendous amount of teaching on the anointing, and we need that. We've got to have the anointing in our life and our ministry. Amen. But that he says the real issue here is you don't have many fathers. And then he says this, For in the anointed Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. No, I studied to know the word begotten. Of course, immediately I thought new birth, and I'm sure that he was used along that line you know, historically, but here this word means much more than that. It means the one who ministers life to you ongoingly. So in the local church, that would be the pastors. When you're in a local house, the pastors are the spiritual father and mother to that congregation because they're the ones that minister life ongoingly. Not just the teaching of the word, that's, that's a premium, but the ministry of the Holy Ghost and everything else that gets done, the way things are run, the way things are organized the way things are, are played out. Hallelujah, you're getting something, see? And the one who ministers like, but what about preachers? What about preachers? What about those of us in fivefold? We, we're not submitted to our congregations. And even if you have friends, and I told you, I had a lot of good friends. They loved God, precious people. I loved them, but there wasn't a spiritual father. I wasn't looking to them as such, and they weren't trying to be that because they weren't. So, you know, you've got to pray and find that out and then get connected because that's where your supply comes from. That's where your supply, your supply comes from the one over you. How many are listening? You know in our own churches, we don't like it when our members buddy up with another member, member that's disgruntled instead of looking to us as the one who's ministered life. They side in with the offense and leave you when they should have went to the higher anointing, which is on you. So many get offended. I mean, i got sons. Here's one over here, but I've got them, some around the world, different ones in different cities too. But I'm a son. And I'm learning on, ongoingly to be a better son. I've sat with preachers all over the United States in 12 years being with doctor. I try to get four, five, six, eight, ten meetings a year. Sometimes more. Sometimes I can't come, that's true. But a lot of times I do. And travel when I'm invited to foreign countries with him other things like that. But here's my point. I've sat in churches with people. Oh, this is great. This is great. I love Dr. This is, I said, yeah, it is wonderful. And I love Dr. Dufresne too. I haven't seen him for three years. Now, I'm not in every meeting. I'm not judging anybody, but I do pay attention. Yeah, come on now. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then eventually, sometime I may say, well, what happened to that pastor? You know, well, he decided to do something else. Uh -oh. See, he disconnected from the one who was supplying life. The one who ministers life ongoingly. You know, I've got a guy in my church, Joe, Joe Ruder. He's a surfer dude. He's got long hair still, and he kind of walks like this. But he's got a lot of common sense. And he was talking, you know, getting up give a testimony one time about me as his pastor. said, stay with the one that brought you to the dance. Stay with the one that brought you to the dance. My God! 
What is it that everybody wants to run off with somebody else? That the grass is always greener somewhere else. About us being promoted is about getting in the right place. <laughs> Stay with the one that brought your rescue. Stay with the one that brought your deliverance. Stay with the one that hits a target. Stay with the one that imparts to you with accuracy and authority. It changes your life. Everybody wants to run off greener pastures. I always say, you know what's in the greener pastures? Cow patties. You're going to get your feet dirty. And it's going to smell like that too. What would you think if your wife or husband came home and said, I'm going to live with you three weeks out of the month. I'm going to go live across town with this other guy one week. That wouldn't go down. There's some confusion there. There's some deliverance needed. Your kids come home and say, I'm going to live with you a couple weeks from over here and stay with my friends. What? I'm going to slap something out of you. Pray something out of you. Isn't that right? See, we need to stay. And then you've got people say, well, I'm kind of hooked up over here and kind of hooked up over there. See how that doesn't make any... There's no covenant mentality and there's no sense in that. No, uh, Pastor Vivas over here, he sent me a... He had read my book on spiritual fathers and he did some research and I'd never seen it. And out of one of those basic Bible language, I don't forget what it was, one translation, he sent me a copy. It says you have but one spiritual father. Well, I appreciated that, Pastor Beavis. You helped me. And I, that's a further understanding of what we're teaching here. Stay with the one that ministers life to you ongoingly. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Colossians a minute, chapter 2. I'm just doing a little teaching and preaching. All right? I know some of the people here today, some, some have heard me teach on this before, but, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing, not by heard. And I need to hear it again myself. Now Paul's addressing something, Colossians 2. This is the heady church, I call it, intellectual church. And they're starting to dream that they see these things, and he rebukes them over that. Paul does a little and says, you didn't see this. And then he tells them how to get corrected here in verse 19. Watch this. And not holding the head, of course, that'd be Jesus, from which all the body by joints and bands... See, the joints and the bands are the fivefold ministry. By joints and bands, having nourishment ministered. Boy, I appreciated Pastor Nancy last night talking about her daddy in the land. We need the right nutrients. We need the right nourishment. There's a lot of food going around, but some of it's not the right nourishment for us. You've got to watch your spiritual diet. Be feeding on this and feeding on Like I say, you can't live on Snickers and chips. Back where I'm from, they call them tater chips. Instead of potato, they call them tater chips. Come on. I got a witness over from Mr. Indiana over here. <laughs> and I like tater chips once in a while. I have Snickers, but you can't live on that. You need some broccoli. You need some, you need some fish and some other things. You know. See, what we're saying is when you're hooked up properly, look at this, by, from which all the body, that includes the ministers, by joints and bands, the fivefold, having nourishment ministered. Oh, I like that. I've had some nourishment ministered this week. There's something in here I haven't got out yet. That's why I keep coming back to that nourishment ministered. And, and Pastor Nancy got another thing in there and helped me about her daddy being a farmer, knowing land, certain land, and he would add nutrients and add minerals. And I'm not a farmer, but whatever he needs to bring a better fruit crop up, a better production out of the land. And you know, we're the land. We're the land. That's the reason I think sometimes people get dry. I'm good, just stay with me in Colossians, but I was meditating on this this week because the Lord spoke to me about it. In Kings, when the prophet, went by the word of the Lord, went over by the brook, and it says, after a while, after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. See, he, he, you stay connected to the man of God he places in your land. The rain will come in your land. Spirit, soul, and body. And you'll stay refreshed. You stay moist. You stay current. You stay productive. <laughs> I, was, I was down in Nashville preaching on this just a, oh, I don't know, a month or two back, one of my son's churches. 
And I was sitting at the desk uh, studying on this scripture. And I looked up, and they had this plexiglass little folder thing standing there looking at the Internet and had an insert in it. And, it, and I looked up and it said, stay connected and productive. I go, my God, that's what I'm preaching. <laughs> so I took the piece out of there and put it in my Bible and borrowed it that night. And then the Lord said, yeah, you need to stay connected in the Internet. <laughs> Spiritually connected, you stay connected, you get productive. You start drying up because you're not, you're not staying connected. Well, I ain't got time to go to meetings, and you're going to dry up. You can. You, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going coming to impartations in a minute because you can get stuff off of books and tapes and CDs, DVDs. I do, but you can't. It's different when you're present with your man of God. <laughs> so we need to take the time. Believe God for them. I've never had the money to do anything I'm doing. I never had the education to do anything I'm doing. But I'm doing what God told me to do, Pastor Webb. Hallelujah. God provides that when we make a step, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to that meeting. Father, I thank you. You're going to provide for me to get under my man of God. You may have to stay in a cheaper hotel and eat one meal a day. I've done that before. It's not that way anymore because I'm increasing. But it once was, and it was worth every bit of it. Not a sacrifice, a blessing. I came out here one time in 95, my first time, I had to stay in the Comfort Inn. If you're staying there, please don't be offended. But I mean, it's just a not really upscale hotel. And Dr. Dufresne ministered to me in that meeting. I, I could only afford one meal a day. And some of you may have been in that. I don't remember. Doctor, it was in the other building. Doctor called me out. I was about six rows back. And he pointed. I ran over people practically to get up here. I was so excited. I got up here, and I don't know if he'll remember that. He hit me, but the guy with me said he hit me about 40 times. In the head, in the shoulders, in the chest, in the hips, just bam, 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 and something went in me again. I went back to the hotel. I couldn't even have my own room then. I had to sleep with, not in the same bed, but I had to sleep in the same room. <laughs> Clarifying something here. You need me to do my John Wayne walk? <laughs> Remember, I was a drug addict, so don't forget that. Hallelujah. <laughs> and a drug dealer, so hallelujah. No, but he was in the same room with me, and I'm telling you, at 2 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, see, I'm talking, I'm talking a little bit about being hooked up in impartation. It was like, you know, I don't watch science fiction movies, but I've seen enough of little clips here. It's like that blue stuff goes over somebody. I mean, blew over me. I didn't see it, but down my legs, and it went twitch, 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 twitch. I'm laying in bed, you know, and all of a sudden, I get these bolts of electricity, and I pull the covers back, and I, and I started running. There wasn't nowhere to run. I run over the next guy's bed, right into the bathroom. That's little. I come back out, run over his bed again, run to the front door, and then I run back over here. I hardly got anywhere to run in that little comfort in room, but I'm running. Power of God's on me. <laughs> that stayed on me for three years three years that power I'd lay in bed at night and feel like a piece of bacon I don't know how to describe it my wife would say my God what's on you and I'd say power of God I'd get up and walk around the house and do something yeah Whew. <laughs> Some blue stuff falling around. <laughs> anointing. I'm not making fun. It's anointing. Impartations. <laughs> I'm trying to preach this a little bit. Notice this, having nourishment. And see, when I'm in this meeting right now, I'm getting exactly what I need added to my diet or even just quickened again. Or you new things are coming too, but there's a lot of things just being, yeah, you're on course. Keep going, keep going, keep. Or no, wait a minute, you need to turn that a little bit. Getting adjustments. Amen. You, you get things lined up. Honey, the power's in lining it up. I believe in prayer, 
But there's a lot of things I don't pray about a whole lot anymore because i got it lined up on the Word. The power's there to carry it out. But let's understand, I still believe in prayer. And I just said to you earlier, I got challenged yesterday. I need to pray more in other tongues. Hallelujah. All right, look at this. Here, here it is. It says, having nourishment ministered. Boy, I like that. And knit together. See, there's a connection, isn't it? Knit together. See, there's where you're connected with that joint. The knit together, there's a strength in that. You know, the Bible says threefold cords not quickly broken. Something about that putting things together, is, it, it, it gets you out in another realm strength-wise. Then he goes on to say here, look at this, increaseth, when you get in this mode and you're having nourishment ministered from your, your, your spiritual father, the joint and the band, then you begin to increase with the increase of God. Hallelujah. I'd like to increase. How about you? When I first hooked up with doctor, it was just about obeying God. I didn't know what I'm teaching you now. I've been walking in it for 12 years now, and, and out of that came this revelation. And this is why, even though I love God and pray and had friends and preached and traveled around the world and different things, you know, to some level, I was not having the success I'm having. I wasn't getting the increase. I wasn't having proper things nourished that I needed. Get out of this mentality that we got to go with the, the, the newest parade through town, the newest uh, spiritual parade that we're going to jump on that bandwagon, leave everything behind to try to do something. If you just get hooked up right, there'll be increase. Increase in your life, increase in your ministry, increase in the anointing, increase in soundness of mind, increase of direction, increase of people, increase of finances. I just notice the increase of God. Of God. <laughs> this is my man of God, but that didn't say that. It said me get to the nourishment that comes from, and God gets involved with it then because I'm properly connected and I'm being productive now, and God gives increase to me, and it's His increase. My God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just don't understand why it's so rough. Well, maybe you're not hooked up, or maybe you're not hooked up properly. I mean, I'm not criticizing. I'm trying, you know, I'm still walking in this myself, but I'm committed. <laughs> I'm not looking for greener grass. I'm not looking for somebody else. Hallelujah. Let's go to Jeremiah a minute. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me show you for a minute. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go talk for a minute about impartations a few minutes. I think that'd be... Thank you, sir. Doctor said, just obey the Holy Ghost. Now, <clears throat> what benefits could we expect if we're properly connected? This came to me a while back, and I'd, I'd wrote a book on spiritual fathers, and I thought, well, I need to figure out from the Scriptures what the Word says, because it's happening to me, but I need to plow this further and see what's in here. And just like a shepherd would be to the flock or the sheep, so a spiritual father is to the sons and daughters under him the same principle so we're going to read about a shepherd but we could insert in this uh, principle wise we could insert in this scripture a spiritual father when you have a spiritual father and you're properly connected no it's not not just coming to a meeting it's not just giving in an offering and i mean this with due respect it's not just being invited back to eat it's, it's got to go deeper than that. this is a covenant relationship in, you know we talked about it in our book it's one of loyal dedication when, when this relationship if it would ever about me then that's not the relationship it's supposed to be my commitment as a covenant man is to Dr. Dufresne to help him fulfill his vision I'm a spiritual father over here to Pastor Dennis from Texas. It's uh, my covenant to help him succeed. I'm married to the same woman for 33 years. It's up to me to be the husband I need to be and the father to my children. That's on my side of it. And when you know in your marriage, if you start thinking, well, I'm not getting out of this what I'm supposed to get, you know, you're on the wrong thinking trail. You, you quit being covenant, you start being selfish. You start being manipulative and things like that. Oh, praise God, I'm preaching up in here. 
See, I just showed you from if we're hooked up right, this is what I'm saying, when we're hooked up right, then the things we're looking at will automatically be there. I don't have, it's not like i got to make it happen. <laughs> no, I know we need to speak. I understand that confession. Believe in it. Do it. But I'm not even talking. You've got, you got to get in there and be connected, and all of a sudden things will start happening. Why? Because you're connected. Your land is getting water, and things are growing. Things are productive. Things are coming. It's just a, like a byproduct of all that when you're hooked up right. Hallelujah. So here it says, look at this, verse 3. First two verses is a rebuke to the pastors that aren't doing what they need to. We don't need to look at that, really. We're talking about what comes when I'm properly connected. And I'll gather the remnant, Jeremiah 23, 3. I will gather the remnant of my flock. I didn't tell you to turn there. I'm sorry. Jeremiah 23, 3. I'm sorry. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I've driven them, bring them again to their folds. Note, I want you to make a note of that, their folds. I don't know what it is about people. Sometimes we think we can just pick and choose as we want. Is there a New Testament equivalent to this comment? Lay with me, but 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He said, every one of us, that would be us preachers too and all of us, in the body as it pleased him, not as it pleased me. I mean, it does please me to be a son. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying into this. But I tell people in my church, they say, well, I don't know if I want to be in your church. I say, well, then don't. But if you get in my church and you'll be sincere, your life will change because I know that we can grow you up in a period of time. I'm not going to shake your hand because you showed up. I'm not going to tell you you're great just because you came to church. But if you're sincere about getting your life changed and growing and becoming what God created you to be, I can help you with the help of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to get in our place. This is my point. Their fold. T-H-E-I-R. That's where I belong. See, I'm in the camp that I belong. I'm in the company that I belong to. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's important to me. <laughs> Now notice what will happen. And they shall be fruitful immediately. When you're in the fold that God placed you in or under the person God placed you with. I know it's talking about shepherds, but how about spiritual fathers? Same principle. They'll be fruitful and increase. And I'll set up shepherds or spiritual fathers over them which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more. They shall fear no more. All the fears, all the insecurities, all, you know, all that gets rooted out, plucked out uprooted and taken away and you begin to become a different person you know I back when I was in the world I was kind of I don't know kind of a rough guy I guess you know just thought I was anyway I mean different things the way I felt back then carried a gun drug dealer kind of like art we've talked before <laughs> I mean back then when he was that sorry I'm not picking on you Dr. Art <laughs> But my point is, when I got in the body of Christ, you know, I want, you know, I wanted to try to be sweet to everybody, and 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 I tried to be, you know, and all that, and, and then I got in conflict in my church, and I remember I called doctor, and he said, "Be the pastor." Okay. <laughs> so I brought everybody in. I said, "I'm the pastor. This is it. You're in or you're out. What are you going to do?" Da da da. Went around the room. They left. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> like Dr. Sumrall says, every healthy body needs a bowel movement. Don't want to be vulgar here or nothing, but I've been better off without them. I wish they'd have made the corrections and stayed and told them that to their face. I hope you'd just correct, but I removed your authority off of it. You don't have any now because you violated me. You violated what I gave you to do. You're trying to, I simply ask you to take care of the books. Not tell me what I could buy my paper from. Hello. And so when he said, be the pastor, something, I mean, I'm on the phone with him. Something went in me. I said, I'm the pastor. Remember he talked about the big stick last night? I got me two big sticks back. Oh, hallelujah. The fear gets taken out when you're proper. You don't get the fear taken out just by attending meetings. You get the fear removed when you're hooked up and you're, you're being fed 
instruction, guidance, counsel. I know the Holy Ghost. He's in there too. But he told you to hook up with somebody. And people say that word, all I need is Jesus. No, you need more than Jesus. You only need Jesus to get saved. That's true. Nobody's our Redeemer but Him. But He gave spiritual gifts to people. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what else here. Nor be dismayed. That word in the Hebrew means disappointed. When you get a spiritual father, you won't be disappointed. The disappointments we carry with us out of previous things gets removed. You know, I mean, as a pastor, you know, people come, they, they've been married a couple times, they've done this, they've done that, and they've had this, and they tell you about all their bruises and all their beatings, verbal or mental or whatever. I, I tease, teasingly say, you know, I came to God with all my luggage too. You know, like at a big hotel, those big uh, valet things that you can put about 10 bags on, I had a train of them behind me. <laughs> I had four or five of them loaded up with baggage. I mean, I, you know, I was a drug addict. Drug addict. All that went with that, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying all, all the negative things that go with that, that was on me and in me and around me. I got saved, but my mind was seriously impaired at the moment. No, really, it was. I it was blown and racked. And, but see, when you get a pastor or you get a spiritual father and you let them speak to you and feed you and minister to you, then that gets taken out. All those disappointments melt away. All your excuses get removed. Oh, what a way to live. No excuse. Just freedom. Like Brother Trevor was singing, liberty, deliverance. From what? Everything and anything that impairs your movement and impairs your, your, your ability to move forward. No limitations, we could say. And then what else does it say? Nor be lacking. You're not going to be lacking anything because your supply has come. And it begins to work in you. And you make corrections, you make changes. It doesn't happen overnight. Here's another thing about impartations. You get an initial impartation. That doesn't mean you've got it all or that you're to run off. It's an ongoing process. Hallelujah. I don't care all the time. You know, I'm committed to you, I'm committed to you, I'm committed to you. I said it the first time. I understand covenant. That's the last time I said it, I think. I've just tried to live it. But I know it gets sweeter the further we go. And we're just going to keep on, keep on. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's go over to Romans a minute. Oh, hallelujah for Romans. We talk about a little bit here, a little bit about impartations, and then we let everybody go have some lunch. But this is important today. I hope that we're getting something from this. Impartations. I'm writing a new book on this subject right now called Impartations, Divine Rescues. Because I got rescued. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the ministry, but I, I but but there's something lacking, something that's needful for me, and I couldn't even figure it out until I prayed about it next year. And, you know, I'm not bragging on me. It's evident I wasn't the most spiritually attuned guy, but I was serious. God, I need your help. I don't know who to turn to other than you right now, but I know there's somebody in this planet that you've assigned, and I was getting some inklings, you know, that I need to hook up with somebody. But, see, I've been a member of ministerial organizations in the past, and I, there's no, I'm not downgrading that. But it's different than just being a member of a group and then having a spiritual father. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, it takes some patience. I'd like to say that. It takes some time and patience on everybody's side. You know, I'm a spiritual father too. I know doctor, he probably looked at me and thought, man, i got some work to do on this guy. <laughs> and he did. And I've taken it, and I've received it, and I've enjoyed it. And for the one time or two or six or seven that I get corrected or even a couple, maybe once or twice rebuked, there's a hundred other times I'm edified and encouraged and growing up and all of it's working together to take me into something I'm supposed to be. That's my point. <laughs> Glory be to God. So here we are in Romans 1. Let's look at it, verse 11. Romans 1, 11. I long to see you. I long to see you that I may impart. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Now, 
you understand Dr. Eagles and the cloth and, and the prayer cloths and some of the testimonies he shared, that's a little different operation of impartation. This says, I long to see you. So this type of operation here in impartation, you'd have to be present. You have to be there. Because like, like somebody has said, I didn't say it, I don't know who did, some things have to be caught, not just taught. Kind of reminds me back in Kings, you know, where the Bible school boys are on the hill. They're, over, they're overlooking what's going on, but Elisha is pulled in there real tight, compacted, knit together with Elijah. They know something's happened, because, you know, in Second Kings 2, you know, he keeps saying, well, don't, don't tell me, I know that's happened. Your head will be removed today by his spiritual head covering. And when Elijah went up, he said, my father, my father. He didn't even say the prophet, because he was a spiritual son. And there wasn't any notoriety about Elisha until after that event because it says this is the guy and the prophet that poured water on the hands of Elijah. Amen. It's not about being known. It's not about having a space. It's about being a good son. I long to see you that I may impart unto you. Now, I, this is an interesting word. I've been preaching out of this for several years now off and on. And I began to go a little, you know, looking around, snooping around as you do as preachers to find, and there's something in here I'm not seeing. So I looked up the word see, and in the Greek it means to perceive something. It's not just that doctor looks at me or looks at you, but he perceives something, and as he's looking, something is being imparted during that moment. Yeah. This couple right over here, uh, Tammy and Roger Atkins, right, from Iowa, they were telling me at their stay in Hampton, we were came in and we talked to him just a minute. And they said, you know, we were in a meeting with doctor uh, a while back and we were kind of going a certain way in our church and doctor didn't even lay hands on it. He just came over, Pastor Roger said, and just looked at me and started speaking just in the preaching, right? And that straightened out something automatically. Amen. God says, no, go this way. That's basically what happened. See, there was an impartation, and at that moment there wasn't even hands laid on anybody as such. But doctor, through perception, he's looking, and then he's speaking. And it's turning something for somebody in their ministry to a better way, a more fuller direction, a more, a more divine way to go. I long to see you, now watch, that I may impart in you some spiritual gift. Again, when I was younger, I thought that meant, well, he's giving out gifts of the Spirit. But that's not what that means. It could involve that also, I don't want because Tim, Timothy, you know what Paul said to Timothy over there, but, but also look at this. The word gift this, a spiritual endowment. A spiritual endowment, a miraculous faculty. This is what that word gift means. It means a deliverance or a rescue. I long to see you, perceive you, not just see you, see you naturally, but perceive what's going on in your life. Like I think Brother Hagen or somebody was selling on a tape, I think it was him, that a preacher came to meet a friend, a missionary, coming off a boat. And when the missionary spoke, he said, you're not up to par, what's up? He knew immediately. By looking at him and listening, he just knew something right then. See? But the other gentleman wasn't spiritually attuned like he needed to be. He'd been beat up or hurt or whatever had happened, I don't know. So it says here that I may impart unto you out of my spiritual endowment. Wow. My, son's, my other son's not here from Nashville, but he, I was preaching this in his church about six years ago, and he said, you know, Pastor, down in Nashville where Vanderbilt University is, he said, you know, there was an article in a paper about an elderly woman that passed away and, and endowed Vanderbilt with $200 million. Now, I know as we're growing in the Lord, that doesn't seem like a lot, but it's still quite a bit of beans and weans, as we say. <laughs> Hallelujah. $200 million. And you could build a four or five story building there on campus and a world class professor and a whole, a whole floor of the most modern scientific lab equipment that probably cost $50 million and, and 20 other associates to help you and do something major you couldn't have done without the endowment. And so it is with spiritual fathers. They have spiritual endowments that are given by God, spiritual endowments that are given by God to, for them to impart into us out of that gift, out of that miraculous... See, it's miraculous in nature. It's not a natural thing. You know, I got thinking about Paul writing Timothy. He said, stir up the gift of God that was given you by my hands. It was the gift of God, but it came through the hands of a person, a man. 
Think about it. There's divine things working with us. There's divine things working with Oh, hallelujah. It's miraculous in nature. I'm going to tell a couple incidents in a minute. And it brings a deliverance. It brings a deliverance to your ministry. It brings a rescue to your life, maybe to your marriage, maybe for your future. Maybe you don't even realize at first, I don't think I did, I don't think I was spiritually attuned enough. Uh, how dramatic, uh, Dr. Dufresne, that you were taking me somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. See, we're talking about these impartations. How, this is, and Dr. said this will be a, work, a week, a couple of months ago we're somewhere, and he said to me and several others, said, this, this week, this week here would be a week of impartation. Boy, it has been. Hallelujah. You know, last, last night things that were said, I think we all should judge. You know, I'm thinking to myself, am I in the right office? Am I in the right place? God help me to know. I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. <laughs> and different things that have been said in the prophecy, like Pastor Nancy, the doctor got up and got in the spirit at the beginning of the meeting last night. Oh, my goodness. And then the, the night before that, he began and just, you know, I said to Pastor Dennis on the way to church that, and I said, hey, you watch, something will happen tonight, because I'd been praying during the afternoon, and I'm hooked up. And doctor got up, I'm, and I'm not bragging on me, but you begin to know things because you're hooked up properly. And, and he just began to go around and minister to all the different preachers. Boy, it's wonderful. I appreciated that. I'm, I'm so thankful I following somebody that's this sensitive to the Holy... He doesn't need me to say that, but I'm just talking out of my heart. I appreciate that about Dr. Dupre. I mean, it doesn't matter what he has planned. If God says do this, he'll just go that direction. Then all of us under him have learned to be more spontaneous. Oh, my gosh, I'd so rooted my people and rutted them, rather, in teaching. I mean, I'd wear them out. And just, you know, turn to, and turn to, and turn to, and turn to. And 35 scriptures later, they're still sitting there turning to, turning to. <laughs> they were patient with me, and what I was saying was good, but it wasn't all anointed. And I wasn't allowing the Holy Ghost to use me like He ordained for me to be used. Hallelujah. I hope I'm not too long-winded today. I'm just about done, but I'm just talking here about something that's important to us. Impartate. You know, Abraham, he was a great man of faith, but you know, he had a problem lying, lying. He was a liar. I think he corrected it maybe later, but it, I don't know. But his son caught it too. Isaac started lying just like Dad. He got a bad impartation from his parents. But you get over in Timothy, and there's a good side to things, too. And Paul commends him, says, Your grandmother had faith that unfeigned. Anybody know what that means? Sincere. That's what <laughs> Unfeigned. What in the world is that? You know, I had to go look it up. Sincere faith. It was in Grandma and Mama, and now it's in Timothy. See, things get passed down by impartation. See, and then not only do we have Dr. Dufresne, we've got part of Brother Hagen part of Dr. Summerall, part of Howard Carter, part of Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> we in a lineage, my God. And we need to put a value on that. Hallelujah. Now, you know, if we're coming, showing up in the meetings, and, but we're not connected, then that doesn't apply to anybody. <laughs> no, we have to be connected. For that to run its course. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to make anything happen. Things are happening because I'm getting tighter committed. <laughs> if that makes any sense, then letting God help me to understand what it means to be a son. Now let, let's look at this just a little bit further here. It says, For I long to see that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. Maybe that's why people don't get to the end. Maybe they don't get to the fullness in their ministry. They don't get to the fullness in their lives. Maybe they don't get established. You know, sometimes I look at myself and say, God, help me to get established. <laughs> More established than I've ever been. 
I want to make it to the end. You know, when you get older, your, your, your ministry should be the sharpest, the keenest, and you should be the strongest and the most effective. Hallelujah. But you'll need these impartations to take you there. You need these impartations to take you there. And you're going to need them all the way to the end. So I pay attention when my dad talks, when my spiritual father says something. He said he went to a meeting, canceled a meeting, if I remember right, sir. Went to see Dr. Summerall right before he went home. And he said he grabbed me and put a hand on my belly and on my back and said, Be blessed! And he said, Something, I got something. And then I don't know if it happened in that moment, but somewhere around in there he said, Dr. Summerall said, You'll come into the apostolic anointing. See, I'm paying attention to all that. Why am I saying that? See, he followed Dr. Summerall to the end. Dr. Hagen to the end. Now he'll go to the end. And those of us that are properly connected, Lord Terry's, we can go to the end with him. Those of us who are connected, those of us that understand it, and we're, we're moving. Now I didn't understand what I'm telling you, what I've been talking about the last 35 minutes or four, so I didn't know this when I hooked up. All I know was I needed someone. And when God said, this is your man of God, I said, I want to submit and commit to you. Yeah. Even back then, you know, my thrust was missions, and this is not a, any kind of a rebuke on missionaries. So certainly don't take it that way. We, our church has given over a million dollars to missions since I've been pastor there. So we believe in what we do. But this is what I'm saying. The Lord showed me, they're not your supply. You can bless them. You can help them. I you know, we help them get cars all over the world. I don't want to go down that trail. sounds self-promoting. But doc, God said to me, Dr. Dufresne's your supply. He's the one you need to get behind. He never said a word to me about it. See, that's what a real spiritual father does. They walk by faith and they believe God, that God is their supply. Then those of us will listen. We start turning things. I still support submission. I'm connected to a few of them. But my main thrust is to help him now. Financially, and any other way I can. I'm not bragging on me. This came gradually. The Lord, I said to the Lord one time when He started talking to me, I said, "You know, I feel like I need to be changing this over here. What's up with that?" And then He said, "Well, I would have told you back ten years ago, but you wouldn't have understood what I was saying." I said, "Hmm. Well, you're right. I want to make it to the end. Anybody else want to make it to the end? Hallelujah." Let's read verse 12. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You notice that you have to have mutual faith to receive these things. Mutual faith to receive these things. One, one verse of this in another translation here, in verse 11 says, that I may give you fresh strength. We've been receiving fresh strength all week. Hallelujah. But I want to tell about a couple situations in my life and, 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 and talk a minute here a little bit further about some things. First of all, let me say this. Uh, John Wesley's personal notes on Romans 1.11 says impartations can come through prayer, through preaching, through laying on of hands, and private conversations. Private conversations. Some of you, maybe you don't know me, I'm sure, but I had a pain in my side for 14 years, and I couldn't get rid of it. I'd went to doctors, I'd had tests run. You know, when you hurt a lot and you hurt for a long period of time, you, you try to get some help. And so I, I went to different hospitals and had them run tests and different things, and they couldn't figure out what the problem was, but it was still there. And, I mean, sometimes I couldn't sleep for two or three weeks at a time. You know, you get grouchy when you don't sleep. And then I hooked up with a doctor, and then I came out here in 95. Let me go back to that. I'm talking about impartations, how they work. And I was in a meeting, kind of like last night, when, you know, they were raising finances for the engine. I don't remember what, what the, the situation was, but it was something I didn't even have $50 to give. He spoke to me and said, I want you to pledge $1,000. I said, well, I don't have it. He said, I, I know you don't, but pledge it, and I'll bring it to you. When you do, you pay that pledge. You, you, you keep that commitment. And so I, I took an envelope and wrote on there, you know, I, I'm pledging $1,000 for this project. Signed my name. When I get it, I'll send it. Well, happened that I got it within a few months or a year, and I was having lunch with doctor the next day. And we're sitting in old Charlie's. I never will forget it. And, and I said, Doc, Doctor, I want to obey God in this. I don't even know if he knew I'd fill that out.
but I handed it to him. And I could tell he, you know, back then I didn't hardly have any money or clothes. I was wearing the same sport coat the last three times he was there. He said to my board, when are you guys going to take care of your pastor? Hallelujah. Well, they didn't then. And they, they all left. Now, I, he prayed them out. And I became the pastor. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could have been a little stronger then, but I just trying to, you know, be sweet. I'm still sweet, but I got a big stick back here. I just don't put up with it anymore like that. And so, so I'm handing him this check, and I could tell from his, you know, eyes, like almost he wanted to hand it back to me. He felt, you know, you need it more than I do, Pastor Jacobs. But he took it graciously, and I said, I, I want to obey God. And I'm telling you, we were eating lunch, and he put his fork down, and fire shot out of his eyes. And he knew I had this pain. And I was $20,000 in debt for medical bills because I didn't have insurance there. And I raised my kids without insurance. I didn't, and, and I wasn't going to lie to the insurance company and tell them I don't have any pain because they asked that. You've got any existing condition. I wasn't going to lie. I'd be a liar. I wasn't going to be like Abraham. So nobody would take me. So here I am, and he lays that fork down, fire shots that. He says, you're, that pain's going to leave your side, and you're coming out of debt. And I lifted my hands there at O'Charlie. I don't know if you remember that. I said, I receive it. And within eight weeks, God brought $20,000 and wiped that debt out. And within eight or nine months, I got up one day and that pain went boop and took off. Hey! Glory to God! See, impartations, they're not always instant, but they work if you believe. See, mutual faith. The one thing, him say something over any of us, Dr. Dufresne, but we have to receive that and use our faith. It took almost, you know, eight or nine more months, but what's that after 13 years? 14 by the time it left. Hallelujah. You know, when you hurt for that long, it means something, that you get delivered. You got rescued. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, I could tell story after story, but I want to tell this other one. This happened in 2000, and it's interesting. Pastor Webb's here because it happened down in his, not the first part I'm going to tell, but it, what the deliverance that came. I went to a doctor to get a physical, and I'd been a drug addict. I told you that. And after I got saved in 71, I had a lot of physical problems. I'd broken my body down, shooting speed and acting crazy and not eating. And, you know, drug addicts are crazy. Our minds are impaired because of the dope and the, and the people you hang with. See, wrong impartations. Took me further and further. First I said, I'm never going to smoke dope. Then I smoked dope. I said, I'm never going to do chemicals. Then I did chemicals. I'm never going to shoot a needle in the morning. Then I shot a needle in the I'm never going to carry a gun. Then I started carrying a gun. I mean, yeah. before I knew it, I was way down there looking back, going, my God, we're... I'm a new creature the wrong way now. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't grow up like that. My parents didn't live like that. But I'm becoming a different creature. But anyway, when my body broke down, I had to go in and have some surgery done. And so they're going to cut me open. They do all the blood work. And they, this, was, this was back in the 70s that I'm telling about now. And uh, so they said, you know, do you have hepatitis, our, our results show, hepatitis C. And uh, what kind of treatment did you take? I said, Tree? I didn't take any treatment. Well, you had to have took treatment. There's three doctors standing in my room before the surgery, the day before, saying, well, our, our records show that you da-da-da-da-da. And I said, no, I never had no treatment. I said, I got saved. <laughs> they said, well, did you ever shoot dope? And I said, yeah, I sure did. Well, you had hepatitis C, and it said did one half percent or one percent damage to your liver, and then it abruptly stopped like you'd taken some kind of major treatment for it. We wanted to find out what stopped it like that. I said, it must have been God. Amen. I didn't even know I had it until you just told me. I'm glad I'm over it already. Boy, that was quick. <laughs> and so here I am, 2000, the year 2000. Now I'll bring it up to date. I go to my doctor for a physical, and he took out a vial of blood, you know, as they do, and called me and said, you know, there's some funny stuff going on with your blood. It's pretty serious. I said, well, just shoot straight with me, doc. He's a Presbyterian guy. He said, well, I don't want to really talk to you, Michael, over the phone. Just, you need to come back in and give me some more blood because this is pretty serious, what I'm seeing. So my mind, for a moment there, the devil tried to 
take me over there, you know. Because I got a guy in my church like me, the California dude, stay with the one that brought you to the den. See, he'd shot dope back 20 years ago, and he just got hepatitis C a couple years ago. And I prayed over him. God healed him. He's clean. <laughs> but see, that stuff can lay, you know, in the natural lays dormant. We, we're walking the Spirit, and the Spirit overcomes the natural. We understand that, but I'm just talking about natural things. So 2000, and so doctor says, well, you need to come back and give me some more blood. And I said, well, I can't now. I'm, I've got to go out of town. I get to, really. I was going to go see doctor at Pastor Webb's church. And I, went, I was going to call doctor and say, you know, can you pray with me when you're there? But I thought, well, I'll just see him. I'm a son. I'll send a little note to him or catch him if I can and say, would you lay hands on me and agree with me about this blood thing because I'm redeemed. Well, I didn't even call doctor. He gets up the first night. I don't know, Pastor Webb, you'll remember this, but he gets up and he, he falls into a trance and he kind of stops for a minute as you've seen him do sometimes. Then he comes back and goes, where's Pastor Jacobs at? And I raised my hand. I was back there about 12 rows. And he said, stand out in the aisle. So I came out and he said, now the Lord shows me something's wrong with your body. He didn't know that except by the Holy Ghost. I said, yes, sir, that's right. He said, there's an angel behind you. He's going to fix that. Boom, he, the angel hit me in the head. Down I went. And when I went back to the doctor, they said, your blood is perfect. <laughs> hey, glory to God. Do you know that, well, I'll just tell you, 1 Thessalonians 3.10 says, Night and day, praying exceedingly that I might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I had some faith, but it got perfected that night. And then my man of God said, I know there's something wrong, but it's going to be corrected right now. And I just said, yep. And the angel hit me, and down I went. And it all came to pass. Now, if you give me a minute or two, I'd like to talk about private conversations. Okay, just that, you know, to the things that happen when you're, it's not in a public meeting. We were in Peru with doctor just uh, a few years ago. Pastor Matthews will remember this because uh, we came in one night. We were eating upstairs on that mezzanine level in Lima, Peru. And, and uh, I don't know, Mitch or doctor, somebody was saying, you sit here and you sit here. And so we came in one night and doctor was sitting. He said, Pastor Matthews, sit here. Pastor Jacob, sit here. Doctor looked at us and said, you boys need to quit going where you're not honored. Remember that, Pastor Bill? Because Pastor Bill and I go a lot to foreign countries, or he did, and still do. But and I, my mind, my mind went to reeling on me because I'm thinking all these missionaries, they love me, they're my friends. And then Doctor paused a minute and he said to to us, he said, he said, he looked at me and he said, Pastor Jacobs, these men are using, they're pimping your anointing and taking your money. And you know, I thought, oh my God, I thought these people were my friends, but you know. Then all the things started happening in the next two or three years. It all came. I had three or four of them leave me. And I found out the truth was they were doing just what he said they were doing. See, private conversations, sometimes impartations come, and your mind tries to figure it out, but you just got to believe it. We didn't tell anybody to leave us, but they disconnected two or three of them, you know, little bit by little, and it came to pass just like he said. Then I went with him to Kuwait. Oh, what a trip. Went to Kuwait, and, and he'd asked me to share the first night, and I got up to preach a little bit. And, uh, we were gonna, he said, you take 30 minutes, and I'll tell you. And, uh, and I got up to preach, and my time was done. And, and I said, sir, and he said, well, you have something, go ahead. And so I had a word about something and started praying for ministering to the sick. And then he came up, and he said, that healing anointing in your life, that man, it's come to stay now. And he hit me in the head, and I fell out. Here I am halfway around the world on a Persian rug. In a tent. It was worth every penny. See, see, I'm laying there and I'm getting an impartation. I didn't come to get an impartation. I came to assist, be around my spiritual father. And if I didn't get to preach, that wasn't the issue. I'm here. I could if he needs me to, but I'm not pushing for that. Hallelujah. And then he spoke some other things about prophetic things and different things like that. And I have to keep it in my Bible because, see, that was, that was a moment where I got something that was special to me. But if I hadn't been in the right place at the right time with the right person, I would never got there. Then one other thing here that I thought was significant was for our first trip to Abacan. They've all been special, Pastor Rousselon. But our first trip marked me and all of our team that time. I don't know, it just seemed like it changed me. I went to Russia, I went to Siberia. And, and, and during those meetings, something happened in all of us. And we were in the back room with doctors, about six or seven of us. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move through Dr. Dufresne. 
and he began to speak these words. And, and I'm sharing these with us because I feel like uh, there's somehow that I'm supposed to share that this morning. And it, it, the prophecy. We were sitting in a side room shaking under the power of God after the meeting that doctor had preached. And all of a sudden, doctor says, who are these men? They can tell me about my past and they can tell me about my future. Who are these men that are moving across this land with the power of God, doing the acts of God? These are the men that I'll send all over the world with special anointings. Special anointings, special works of God, special acts of God will flow through their ministries. Who are these men? These are the men that will walk in the power of the acts of God and the healings of God. And they will move across this land and this generation. This, there will be a generation raised up for miracles, signs, and wonders. Who are these men? When they go into cities and churches raise up right away, right away. I'll tell you who these men are. These are the men of these days that I'm anointing by the power of God to do the acts of God and who will yield themselves to the acts of God. See, there's anointing on that. You feel that? There's anointing on that. And those, those words, John was in that room that night, and he, 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 he managed to get most of this, I don't know, wrote it down or something or had a recorder, or we would, we would have maybe not had that. There's an anointing here today. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. My goodness. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.